This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, good morning. This is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, and I want to welcome you to today's edition of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. In the studio today, we're uh, pleased to have a, a guest host, Sanders McConnell, who's a friend of the Institute's and Vice President of Business Development at HSA Bank. Sanders, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to have you here. And we've we got a real treat on this News and Views because coming to us from the Gulf Shores is the chairman of our advisory board, my co-host, Ron Bachman. Ron, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. good morning, Ron. Good to have you with us, morning, Ron. Sanders. Happy Halloween to you, and happy Halloween to everyone out there in our, in our listening audience. Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we see uh, today for today's program. I want to give you a little overview of today's program, and then we'll kind of get into a discussion about politics and HSAs and all kind of good stuff. Um, you know, joining us as our first guest today will be Andy Brown, CEO of, of Healthy, and Andy is doing some very unique things with an SAS platform that really helps employers uh, manage all the headaches around ACA and all the compliance and, and issues around ACA. And following Andy uh, will be uh, Brian Ritter with Benazance. Benazance is a uh, a company that helps you know financial administration. Uh, with health plans and health benefits, and they're specifically today focused on the, the back end, the importance of good financial management on the back end of exchanges. And I was, uh, you know, a special guest on their webinar with Array Health and Benazons earlier earlier this week, and they're doing some uh, very cool stuff that we'll learn about. And then following them is uh, probably one of the hottest startups out there in Seattle is uh, Lowell Ricklifts with uh, Flexminder who really helps consumers, you know, manage their FSA accounts. And uh, so, again, Ron, you and I talk on a regular basis uh, about the, the innovation taking place. We've got three really unique companies that are doing some innovating in the space. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, whether it's exchanges, whether it's digital health, whether it's these, these different niches, there's just a tremendous amount of innovation going on out there. You know, that's what's really been happening in the marketplace is there's so much innovation going on in healthcare to uh, change uh, the delivery system, to improve access, to uh, give them uh, consumers more choices. It's pretty exciting to watch, and that's why I'm excited about the upcoming uh, forum in Las Vegas where we're going to be showcasing and talking about so much of that. Yeah, we're really excited about it, too. You know, I think, you know, uh, as we've all talked before, you know, we've timed that event to enable the marketplace to get a real-time look in as to open enrollment and a, and a first look ahead to 2016 plan year decisions, which really begins happening right now. And I'm pleased to tell our audience out there that we've got, <clears throat> we're putting together our biggest forum west yet. We'll uh, have almost 500 people in attendance uh, come a, a week from Monday. <laughs> so. so Well, you know, I think also one of the other uh, aspects about the timing uh, being next week, it's going to be after the election. <laughs> and so, you know, IHC isn't political. We're going to push one party over the other one. But we think that uh, healthcare consumerism works regardless of who's elected because it's a mega trend of, of change that's going on that uh, meets consumers' needs. So, but laws have a, have a difference. The politics does have an impact. And it's going to be interesting to have some discussion as, especially if the pundits are all right, that we'll have a change in the Senate. Uh, there's going to be a lot more discussion about new alternatives out there for healthcare, where we're going. So the idea of discussing strategies, of uh, looking forward to the changes in the marketplace, uh, it's going to be very timely, uh, very interesting, I think, for the audience. Yeah, I think uh, 
regardless of what happens uh, next Tuesday, at the, it's a pretty major time. And regardless of what happens, it, uh, this innovation is here to stay and going to continue evolving. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the ACA if Republicans take control. Absolutely. Let's talk about HSAs a little bit, <coughs> Mr. HSA. Uh, you know, I was just in Minneapolis uh, a little over a week ago and <coughs> with John Young and Todd Berkeley. Todd Berkeley with the HSA Consulting, John Young, uh, CEO of Consumer Driven. And, you know, a lot of discussions around HSAs. And, you know, we see the explosive growth right now of HSAs, you know, come from A, just full replacement programs being put in place, B, the potential uh, with both private and public exchanges, the explosion, because consumers are actually buying down. But what I thought was one of the most interesting discussions last week was with Eric Remsky, who actually is doing an article for us coming up with Devonair, and he and Todd both had spoken recently at a financial advisor event. And two really key takeaways you know, health savings account trending to really become health savings account. That's right. And B, financial advisors waking up and saying, hey, are HSAs a threat to our 401k business or an opportunity for us? So they are now getting engaged. So Ron and Sanders, that's very interesting to see that, hey, we're, we're going to see it. the trend is health spending accounts truly becoming HSAs health savings accounts. I, I couldn't agree uh, more, Doug, at all. It, it is absolutely the trend. And we are seeing it in lots of different uh, markets. Uh, in particular, the, uh, the the large group market is really taking on the the uh, HSA model uh, because of just that. Uh, a lot of the, the individuals are now able to afford to to save their HSA dollars, and then now once they're saving it, they're now investing it. And um, you know, I want to commend uh, Eric and his company what they've been doing over the last several years. Yeah, they were on the forefront. Being, being on the forefront, yeah. absolutely. Some of the entrepreneurs in this space, and I congratulate them for all the success that they are uh, now achieving. You know, it's interesting. Was also at, uh, <coughs> meeting with another firm up in Minneapolis, and uh, they were talking about the millennials. And I think our Sanders, we were talking about that yesterday because they related it to two, two of my sons. Is that uh, who work for bigger companies is that the millennials really understand what both these vehicles are 401k and HSAs. And like my son Christopher just done uh, joined Price Waterhouse, he said, Dad, what should I do? And I said, Max them both out. And he says, Absolutely, that's the right thing. Yeah, okay. they, they, they've got the income now to, yeah. to do that. And they also have knowledge in, yeah. in the palm of their hands. They're now able to decipher what is the right thing for them to do in terms of their health care and how to save for their future because they. They kind of get that down the road. It may not be there for them, and they're going to have to take care of it. Yep. What's your thoughts, Rob? Yeah, Doug, Doug and Sanders, I think that uh, it's part of that overall trend, again, of consumer choice. Uh, yep. I think people are getting more comfortable with consumer choices. We have new models of delivery out there, uh, direct pay, concierge services, what's happening to retirees and putting them uh, uh, into programs that um, uh, give them single amounts of, of money instead of the uh, – uh, lifetime benefits uh, through uh, HRAs. So I think it's all part of the same movement of people wanting to have choices and being able to spend their own dollars in the ways that they want. So it empowers the employee, the member, uh, and HSAs is the best way to do that because it's real dollars and real accounts that people own. 
and it changes the delivery of care. They get more uh, shopping involved. There's there's more choice uh, as to where they want to go. They're not being told uh, exactly what services and health care or health services that they need. So um, I think the young folks uh, are using apps. They're using uh, more uh, techniques to learn and educate and have choices by finding out, you know, what are the prices of services here or there. Uh, some of the, the wellness programs they're, they're more into. Uh, we're seeing more of the wearable marketplace uh, where they can, uh, you know, measure their own blood pressure and, and pulse rates and calorie uh, ex- uh, intake and expenditure. So it's, it's just this great time to be in healthcare with all these changes going on. And it goes back and connects to the type of health insurance program you have mm-hmm. that wraps around all your needs for healthcare that's much more flexible. So HSAs is the movement and I don't see any change in that. I would like to see some changes in expanding it and getting into things that we talked about instead of having different accounts, whether it's a health reimbursement arrangement, a health savings account, or a flexible uh, spending arrangement, uh, those can be very confusing. It would really be nice if we were able to put together something that you all just use the term, a health spending account, that would bring all that together and, and unify it and make it more simple for the, uh, the, the marketing and the purchase and selling of these products. Yeah, and let's get rid of some of these limits. If somebody wants to contribute more, let them contribute more. You know, if they're smart enough to do that, let them do it. And that's in line with what your your point, Ron, uh, you know, consumer choice. Yeah, they really ought to be uh, allowed at least to contribute up to all of the potential um, out-of-pocket expenses mm-hmm. that somebody has, the deductible and the coinsurance mm-hmm. amounts each year. That ought to be uh, the amount that anybody could put in, if not higher than that, because it does give choice. Um, you know, the... The idea of replacing 401k uh, contributions has been a concern of the industry lobbyists on that side of the business that they don't want to take away from that. But we really ought to have people that are involved in various ways. I mean, it should almost be like, well, we don't really care as an investment advisor whether you're investing in stocks or bonds. You ought to be able to do all the different things. And the investment advisor is getting more involved with HSAs. Uh, that they're not just short-term dollars, they're actual dollars that can be accumulated and invested for long-term. Uh, you need to have some cash available or ready cash so that you can pay for immediate uh, health care expenses that might occur. But as you accumulate lots of dollars, more and more people are putting them into mutual funds and longer-term investments. So, uh, again, it's a great flexible arrangement that can be offered up to uh, consumers out there, giving them choices in healthcare and choices in how they want to invest their money and how they want to save. Yep, you, you know, and I think when you when you talk about choice, it dovetails nicely into where I think exchanges are going to go, and uh, uh, I think there's some there, there's some bumps we're going to go through, but I think uh, this market's going to be uh, pleasantly surprised to where they see exchanges locking in because if you're going to provide consumers choice and really give them choice let them go in and choose the benefits the coverage you know what they want to do to take care of their family whatever that family you know unit looks like because it's because we're all different so let them go in and have that choice i mean that's the dynamics of the private exchange and defined contribution model and in there the hsas and the different health plans the direct pay and concierge medicine the diverse benefit choices let them go in and and decide how they want to manage the risk of their families how they want to manage the lifestyle of their families what coverage and choices they want 
I think that all uh, is, is in fact happening, and the exchanges are a, a big motivator of that. What we're also seeing, and, we're, and I think I'm moderating a, a session in Las Vegas on um, supplemental benefits. Yeah, you are. So that instead of just getting your core health care benefits, if you want some additional benefits and you have the dollars available, uh, then you should be able to purchase those uh, those coverages because you think they best fit the needs of your family. So we're going to see a lot more um, customization of health care benefits as we move forward. Yeah, Ron, got we got about a minute to go. You, uh, let you have the last word with our audience. We leave, leave them with a couple thoughts. Well, I think the uh, the whole movement that you just talked about with HSAs and healthcare consumerism, uh, the Institute's been on the leading edge of that, helping to promote and encourage and support and educate as much of the market as possible. So you've clearly been the uh, the leading voice out there for healthcare consumerism, and I would encourage any of the listeners, it's not too late to uh, grab a, a last-minute ticket to go to Las Vegas to be out there at the uh, forum where you'll be among all those others out there that are looking for the newest, latest, and greatest ideas, the people who are on the leading edge, they're many of the early adopters, the fast followers, and uh, the people who are really being creative and innovative in their approach to healthcare and healthcare benefits. Ron, great to have you with us this morning. Uh, we'll see you uh, real soon back in Atlanta. We'll see you next week. Talk yeah. to you later. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. And to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And I'm going. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Solution Providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director, Brent Macy, today at bmacy at the IHCC.com. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field, CEO of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with uh, my guest host, Sanders McConnell with HSA Bank. And welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota today is Andy Brown, President and CEO of Healthy Healthy FX, uh, an SAS provider doing some very innovative things to help employers manage the data compliance and management challenges that are, are really being put up by the ACA. Andy, good morning. 
Morning, Doug. How are you today? I'm great. Great to have you on the program. Uh, Thanks. Pleasure I, to be here. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, give our audience a little backgrounder on, uh, you know, what you're doing, the company, and what you're doing. Sure, happy to. Uh, <clears throat> Health Effects is, uh, as you described, Doug, uh, a SaaS-based uh, management solution for the Affordable Care Act that addresses all of the issues around the data challenge presented to the employer. Uh, and in addition, the tracking, reporting, audit, and downstream benefits analytics that uh, allow the employer and their advisors to get detailed and granular insight into both strategic decisions that are being made, not only around uh, benefits offered, but risk and uh, contrasting that risk to opportunity that sits within the ACA environment for them to manage to uh, the most optimal uh, cost and uh, uh, benefit outcome for their, their employees. What uh, what got you to this niche? What 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 was the driver behind it that you kind of recognized? It's an interesting question. There's there's a number of drivers. Um, core to it would be the team that uh, we brought to bear on the problem. It comes from really a few segments that are critical to this issue. Uh, the first really is the legislative and benefits uh, perspective that uh, our core partners from the insurance industry and very large uh, employer uh, market, multi-billion dollar public firms addressing the compliance issues, where we had very detailed expertise that sat in Washington through the development of the the law that, in fact, were advisors to the uh, uh, issues that were coming out of the review of the law since the very early days of, of health reform. And while we're not political around the issue with a uh, perspective one way or the other, whether this is good or bad, uh, we recognized at the same time that this was going to present a massive data problem. Um, In order to truly and fully manage the issues of the Affordable Care Act, it's much more than just determining eligibility under the, you know, hours counting perspective that's been uh, the core focus of the market for for at least the last six months, uh, if not year. And it's, it's really trending into much deeper issues for the employer and their advisors around what benefits decisions are being made, how that relates to risk, how you comply and manage that risk. And that's where the data problem becomes a big one. We saw in the market a massive uh, uh, gap in the uh, nature of data, where it resides, its quality, the challenges in aggregating, vetting, and validating that to an audit format that allows the employer to truly manage the issue across the comprehensive comprehensive data sets uh, that present that challenge, be it payroll, HRIS, benefits data, leave management data, uh, and really any other uh, system that houses that data, it needs to be able to talk to each other in an environment that is then uh, both uh, can be audited to, uh, in many cases, Sarbanes uh, standards, the TIPA compliant that allows for all of the downstream uh, audit and reporting functions that are so critical to the employer under the ACA, but then from our view, much, much greater than that, the, the management and administration of benefits uh, and risk around the decisions. So it's, you know, an employer, while they may have a very focused objective on workforce strategy to control, um, you know, employees to 30 hours or less if you're a highly variable employer, uh, there's costs to that. Mm-hmm. There's issues around the strategic focus on benefits, how benefits are offered, whether under group or fully insured, uh, self-insured models, whether under uh, defined contribution and exchange models. And all of those things are brought to bear uh, in the data that, that Health Effects presents for both the uh, the employer and their HR system and uh, uh, advisory constituents. So, 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 Andy, you identified a niche that was because <clears throat> because there's a lot of human capital management, payroll, benefit admin systems that are in place and ingrained, particularly in large employers. So, you identified 
where there's kind of a hole in a niche there that wasn't being served by some of these current solutions. Yeah, that's exactly right. We, at the earliest, I mean, we're, <clears throat> this, we've done this with uh, other environments in healthcare and medical products and have been in formal commercial product development for up to 20 years with the core team that, uh, that founded Health Effect. And, you know, our, our, uh, our focus on the issues really came from those two perspectives, the legislative, sorry, three perspectives, the legislative side, the employer side, and then the data side. Mm-hmm. And when you dig in on the real issues the employer has to manage beyond uh, the tracking issues that are so prevalent in the market today, uh, we saw that niche as being one where the analytics capabilities that the employer is going to need and their advisors are going to need in order to affect good decisions around benefits um, being a very big driver. Um, and that, that's certainly uh, been a very strong niche that we've enjoyed uh, you know, substantial leadership in and have been awarded uh, recognition in the market to date uh, uh, for having done so. Yeah, congratulations on that, by the way. Well, thank you. Hey, Andy, this is Sanders. How are you today? I'm well, Sanders. How are you? Good, thank you. So would you mind sharing with us what, is, uh, what are some of the distinctions that your, your company brings uh, compared to other solutions in the marketplace? Sure. Uh, there's a number of them. Um, you know, most of the solutions that have been brought to market in many cases have been brought to market from existing HR platforms that exist. And in the first case, that obligates the employer to be on that HR platform. And as they're, uh, you know, tracking data, the, and tracking I define as, you know, counting hours largely to, you know, either the 30 hours a week or the monthly requirements under the ACA for determination of full time has been a very strong focus for what the issue for the employer is. Um, and while that's critical data, and it's certainly data that uh, health effects facilitates as well, there's much more to the problem than can be facilitated exclusively with the data available in either a payroll or a Ben Admin uh, HRIS environment. Um, to fully grasp and handle all of this issue and manage the reporting requirements under 6055 and 6056 downstream, the 1094 and 1095 employee uh, notices the employer will be obligated to, all of those issues require a much different data set, much uh, more detailed issues around how that data is to be tracked on a monthly basis for annual reporting. And health effects address that issue from that disparate data perspective to aggregate and be able to manage all of those functions for the employer. So all of the reporting downstream uh, that is IRS required is uh, facilitated through health effects directly. Um, but insofar as the eligibility determination goes, there's some fairly complex rules, as everyone understands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ability to manage multiple measurement periods really to an unlimited level based on employee category uh, all three safe harbors, again, because of the data that we aggregate from all of those uh, system environments to a, uh, a valid state of analyses, we are able to track all of the three safe harbors. And for a large employer, that mm-hmm. can create a very significant swing in their plan pricing mm-hmm. options uh, in order to determine at what level to set plan pricing without incurring penalties. And it's surprising to many large employers uh, when they run the analytics and reporting features in health effects to look at different safe harbor options across their specific employee populations, rates of pay, whether the W-2 safe harbor or federal uh, poverty limit safe harbor um, is most effective for them. It can create a fairly significant swing that can add up to millions of dollars for large employers. And, that you know, when, when you're addressing simply the tracking of hours and not considering those types of issues, that, that's data that is not available to those strategic decisions. Beyond that, we are also tracking all of the state rules that impact ACA, um, Medicaid expansion, state by state. Uh, that That is unique to health effects. 
And what really stands us apart from other solutions uh, so far in the market is the benefits um, capabilities that the system has, the ability to look into the granular data, analyze uh, by demographic, by entity, by by strategic objective, by pricing and risk on penalties, and really setting in, in, in motion a much more uh, granular management uh, approach to the ACA and what effect it has on the employer. And that's data that is useful to the employer, certainly, and also to their uh, benefits advisors, the decisions they make around, you know, as I mentioned, group versus uh, fully insured right. versus uh, uh, defined contribution or exchange uh, directions. And then looking at the, the cost analyses around what if we maintain policies that are separate from ACA, if we you know, have groups of employees or plan prices that affect a strategic benefit for the company but incur a risk, how do we manage that risk? How do we control that at the workforce level? Those types of things are much deeper questions than can be answered simply with, uh, with hours tracking. So, 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 Andy, it sounds like your solution, <clears throat> as in-depth as it is around you know helping employers do this, is that you're not only exposing, but you're, help, you're helping employers maybe see gotchas that they weren't maybe looking at before, right? It, thinking they had their arms around it, but exposing things that they really, you know, weren't truly uh, aware of. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Um, this, uh, you know, it's, it's an early stage in this market yeah. where it's, it's governed by a lot of fear, uh, and that fear is based on a lack of understanding, yeah. and, and we've certainly seen uh, that as a driver in the market over you know the last couple of years, obviously. Um, what has happened, though, and what is changing in the market a great deal is that the, the employer is much more sophisticated on the issues and the impacts of those issues. Mm-hmm. Their advisor, the insurance brokers, the TPAs, their benefits, uh, uh, you know, EBO-type uh, organizations they work with are much more um, – uh, knowledgeable now on what the implication of decisions are going to be around the ACA impact on benefits. And there are a great number of opportunities that extend beyond simply avoidance of penalties. Um, and that's where significant uh, you know, financial leverage exists for the employer if they have the data and can understand the impact of those decisions. Um, yeah, that, that's really where our focus mm-hmm. has been um, as a differentiator from, from other options where you know, if, if, if counting to 30 to avoid penalties is your objective, uh, and the question is asked, well, what does avoidance of $50,000 in penalties by offering coverage to this segment of the population translate into increased benefit spend, and what value does that have to the company? Those types of answers uh, don't come from data that is present in, you know, a simple tracking environment. Uh, there's much more to it than that. And the employers that we work with, when they uh, begin to see what the possibilities are around how they not only uh, target and manage their strategic objectives, but also meet all of the compliance and tracking and reporting requirements under the ACA, they begin to uh, recognize that for approximately the same price point, they're getting a great deal more value. Uh, Andy, what's your business model? I mean, I know your software for service, so I'm assuming it's a monthly fee. What is the business model? Yeah, you're correct. We uh, we have um, uh, you know pricing that's based on employer size right. and uh, and delivery mechanism into the market. The first, I mean, there are there are three phases of this market as we see them, um, and the first one is is really where the focus in the industry is now. We have direct contracting with the employer. Um, our pricing model is based on uh, employee lives that are active per month, uh, and that is a critical determinant for the employer because. Of course, under the ACA, what you are tracking is active employees. 
terminated leave employees are not considered that, but leaves must be managed for rehire issues around 13 weeks and, uh, and then different uh, levels for other uh, types of industries. Um, go ahead. Sorry? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, and then there, there are other uh, platforms that HealthFX has in development uh, and that has released in, in certain cases that facilitate uh, really multi-tiered SaaS delivery of the technology through third parties. Now, that is an area of the market that is evolving at present, uh, but certainly one that we see a great deal of activity and interest in. Uh, but as, as mentioned, there are stages of this market. The, the sort of final stage of this market that we see uh, is going to be where um, you know, the need for the data for other applications downstream of this issue from the employer will be significant. And uh, you know, we're already transacting data with most of the major systems that are in the market, be they payroll benefits or otherwise. Even if they do have tracking capabilities, the employer ultimately is deciding who they're working with, and, and we are uh, integrated with, uh, with those systems, both upstream data, source data that, that, that transacts to, to health effects, and downstream data to, to enroll the yeah. platforms, and, and most every one that you can think of in the market uh, right. is, is transacting data that way. Andy, I really, uh, you know, time flies when we're having fun. We'll have to uh, do this again sometime. But it's been very informative, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us here uh, on Healthcare Consumerism Radio. You have a great Absolutely. weekend up there. Thank, thank you very much for the opportunity. We'll look forward to speaking again soon. Thanks, Andy, very much. Uh, and to the rest of our eyes, stay tuned for the next segment, Healthcare Consumerism Radio. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news, industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook, a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Hey, this is Doug Field. Uh, welcome back to the segment of Healthcare Consumers Radio. I'm joined in the studio with our guest host, Sanders McConnell, and uh, welcoming our next guest on, Brian Ritter, who's Vice President of Business Development with Benesance, uh, a company that really is involved with financial management around health benefits administration and around exchanges. Brian, good morning. Well, good morning to you guys. How are you doing? We're doing great. Nice, nice to have you coming to us from Omaha, Nebraska. How's Omaha today? All of a sudden, the pre-winter winds are hitting, and it's certainly <laughs> a little chilly. Hopefully not too bad for those trick-or-treaters tonight. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. The, the big freeze was coming to the Midwest. so uh, It's coming here to Atlanta, too. It's actually coming here to Atlanta. But we won't compare that to what it is in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Brian, listen, uh, give our audience a little background around Renaissance, if you would, please. Well, great. Well, first of all, thanks for having Renaissance on the program. We sure appreciate it. Uh, Renaissance 
has been found or founded in 2003, but we've got a two-decade history in premium billing, payment collection, and funds remittance for health insurance premiums. Uh, when we started, we were focused on national benefit administrators doing COBRA and TIRI billing, but with the tools we have, a SAS-based application, uh, a mail fulfillment operation, as well as a payment lockbox, we can bring that full integrated suite of services, not only to administrators, but for the last several years, to state-based government, as well as carriers who are operating both in the Affordable Care Act marketplace and then private exchanges, of course. Well, Brian, I appreciate that. You know, um, <clears throat> you know, I was fortunate enough to join you and your uh, partner, Ray, on uh, your webinar uh, last week, and I, I thank you again for that. And you're doing some very interesting things on the back end. I think it's a very important that, we, you know, we focus on the front end of exchanges and the consumer experience. That's very important, too. But there's some, some need to make sure that we're effectively helping you know, employers manage that back end and the financial administration about the back end. Talk to us a little bit more about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and certainly the employers are really driving that adoption of the private exchanges. Uh, within those private, within those exchanges, again, Benison supports state-based government uh, in their ACA marketplace. But as you look towards the carriers and whether they're participating in the Affordable Care Act exchange or uh, the uh, private exchanges, the need to serve the employers is certainly strong in, in all those examples. And so the things that Benesons does that is helpful for financial management is things such as consolidated billing. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to put multiple products onto one bill, even if those products are sourced from different insurance companies or have different coverage levels for those using those services. Uh, the second key thing that helping out, again, the insurance companies supporting the employers is multi-channel, multi-tender uh, payment processing. Uh, surprising how many companies still want to pay, pay by paper or how many want to pay by uh, electronic means, whether it's credit cards, debit cards, or ACH. And certainly as those employers get closer to being smaller and smaller businesses, the more they emulate consumers. And that vast array of payment options is certainly, certainly key. We then take off that burden of the employer having to send out their funds to all the different insurance carriers through that consolidated billing, but also that service we perform called remittance processing. So that employer makes one payment through the exchange, we receive it, and then we burst it out to all those varied uh, health insurance carriers in the background. And of course, we're then supporting those uh, EDI formats that the industry knows, 834s, 820s, what have you. Mm Hey, Brian, the cool just, thing is, you know, the real cool thing is that uh, uh, we're able to perform those roles for these carriers and these employers in almost wherever direction they go. Again, whether it's the ACA marketplace mm-hmm. or private exchanges. Hey, Brian, this is Sanders. Would you would you good mind morning, sharing? Sanders. Good morning. Would you mind sharing with us some of the trends you're seeing right now in the in the financial management sector? Yeah, well, as, as Doug mentioned, the, the first trend we're seeing is an increased awareness of the value of financial management. Now, the last uh, couple year and a half, I'd say, we've heard so much of a comparison of the private exchanges to Amazon, 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 Amazon. And I think that's a fair analogy. But when I use Amazon, not only do I shop Amazon and see all the selection, but I can then choose and buy. But when I'm buying, I'm paying Amazon. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying all the sub providers behind Amazon. And when people are, when Amazon is sending my product, Amazon often is the one that's fulfilling it. 
So as you look at these private exchanges and use that analogy of Amazon, 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 it's for the shopping and the enrollments. Where you're seeing activity now is actually that back end of that financial management. Again, making it easy for the consumers as well as the employers that are adopting private exchanges. So that's the first trend. A second trend is we're certainly seeing a lot of software companies then rush into this newfound green space of financial management. And we're very, very excited about that at Renaissance. What we're seeing, though, from these new entrants is sometimes either incomplete solutions, meaning they only offer electronic billing or electronic payments, as opposed to a full breadth of options, both for the consumer as well as the employer. But they're also somewhat inferior solutions. And what I mean by that is they are often ones that don't think about the real life of those that are covered, meaning if I'm a person who has insurance, I may have a baby. I may change my address. I may drop my coverage for a spouse or change a coverage level. All those things that have been known to benefit administrators historically sometimes are missing out of the software companies that are just trying to put together an e-billing. The last thing that I think we're also seeing trends is, though, and this is really exciting for Renaissance, is growing value awareness of those that actually bring true, strong financial management models to it. As a matter of fact, about two months ago, Accenture, obviously one of the leading consulting companies in America, released their view of the growing challenges of private exchanges. And in there, they specifically pointed out the need for some robust back-end financial mm -hmm. management solutions, typically billing, but also that funds remittance to all the carriers. So we're really seeing a, a something that we've been evangelizing, much like you guys have been evangelizing consumerism overall. We've been evangelizing financial management, and mm -hmm. it's so refreshing now that the marketplace is seeing that true value of making that private exchange for employers and for consumers really a nice, uh, tidy bow of, of, of solution for them. Brian, as, as you and your team have been out there working with uh, carriers in public and private exchanges, what are kind of some lessons you can share with us? What have you learned? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been doing this for 20 years, yeah. and uh, we've developed uh, some guidelines. We, we actually call them the Renaissance tenets, and we have 10 of them. But let's give me an illustration of, of three brief ones. Um, the first one, as I mentioned before, don't be afraid of paper. Uh, what I mean by that is, surprisingly, a still large number of employers and individuals want paper. They want to get a paper bill. They want to make a payment by paper. So we uh, are seeing right now, through private exchanges and ACA exchanges that Renaissance is providing solutions for, 60% of all the payments that are made are still coming in by paper. Wow. So if you want to bring together a full crisp solution to your employer or to your consumers, having a good, solid, integrated payment option for paper is key. Now, to talk about integration, that's point two. Make sure you integrate your payment acceptance with your premium billing mm -hmm. database, whether it's electronic payments or paper payments. What I mean by that is, especially with the ACA, but just in general, health plans want to maintain a consistent application of policies. And that means one item is, how do you treat payments that are either timely or not timely? If you go to a bank that doesn't have the lockbox integrated into the premium billing database, they may be accepting payments, Doug, that are not timely and all of a sudden putting them potentially in a liability bind. Or better yet, do you know 30% of all the paper payments we receive today at Renaissance do not have the paper coupon? Now, there's a number of reasons for that. 
some employers using bank bill payment services or uh, consumers doing that. Uh, sometimes uh, they have lost it. Regardless, a high number of payments come in without the coupon. What does it typically mean in the historic bank lockbox? It means lots of exception items for the health insurance company to uh, work through. It means employers not having their payments posted quickly to, it, um, to a carrier's uh, uh, accounting system. It means them having to call the carrier and say, did you get my payment? The last thing that I'll mention here is the third tenet we call enforce the truth, don't invent it. Early on, 1995, 1996, when Benesons was just starting this, if we got a payment in on behalf of an insured and that payment was a partial payment, a smaller amount than what was expected or what was owed, we would assume, oh, we know what this person's intending to do. They're intending to pay two months of dental or, no, they're only intending to pay uh, medical, not dental. Whenever we attempted to uh, invent the truth, as we call it, invariably we'd often get it wrong. So what do we do? We enforce truth. That means taking that payment in, if it's timely, notifying then the uh, insured, whether it's the employer or the consumer, saying a partial payment has been received, and then giving them a variety of options for them to call us or to make that payment in whole, always making sure that we enforce the truth. We don't invent it. Brian, we've got uh, a couple minutes left to go, and I want to give you a chance to uh, leave our audience with some uh, key takeaways. Yeah, you know, I guess the, 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 a, a key takeaway I would have here is as uh, the employers start looking towards private exchanges, and again, we're real excited about it. We see it fitting into one nice uh, channel for Benesons. But as these uh, employers look at adopting private exchanges, a couple comments I would make. Um, this past week I was out uh, for a major conference on private exchanges, and I heard what I hear now is a very, very common theme. Once you've seen a private exchange, you've seen one private exchange. <laughs> you've probably used that even on the, on the show you're, you're mm-hmm. hosting each and uh, every week. That being said, if I'm an employer, I want to be very, very thoughtful and intentional when I'm trying to select a private exchange. And I'm seeing from where we sit many reasons why an employer may choose a ex- private exchange. Provide greater choice to my employees, heighten consumerism by showing transparently to my employees what the costs are uh, fully on these plans, managing perhaps as an employer overall the costs better. And then one last thing is taking the drama out of my HR team as they attempt historically to select the one or two great medical plans that could cover my company effectively of 50 employees, 500 or 5,000. But always knowing that that one or two plans don't uh, solve everyone's challenges. So I think once you understand those goals, then look at how these private exchanges support it. So let me give you one example just to close out. If you're trying to make part of your HR life easier by selecting one or two plans, um, or instead of selecting one or two plans, giving the employees a vast array of, of, of plans to choose from, four, five, six plans, it solves it easier for the HR team on the front end, but what are you gonna do in December and January when you don't get not one bill, but you may get five, six, seven different eight bills for major medical and all the ancillary Mm -hmm. products? So my caution here would be, if you're an employer, seek out a private exchange that truly has a robust financial management engine on it that can actually make your life easier on the HR side, as well as giving your employees a great set of options on the front end to 
hand-select those things that are important to them for insurance coverage for them and their families. Thanks, Brian. That's a very good place to leave leave our audience. And uh, appreciate your time today, and uh, you have a great weekend up there in Nebraska, and we'll, we'll talk to you again real soon. Happy Halloween, Brian. Likewise. Take care, guys. To our audience, uh, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276 to learn more. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hey, this is Doug Field. Welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumers Radio. I'm joined here in the studio with my guest host, Sanders McConnell. And our guest on this segment is Lowell Rickliffs, chairman and CEO of FlexMinder, a company that really helps consumers better manage their FSAs. Good morning, Lowell. Good morning. Hey, great to have you on the program today. Appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate being here. Yeah, give our audience a uh, background on FlexMinder, if you would, please. Sure. So FlexMinder, in a nutshell, we, we automate the claim submission process for TPAs uh, who support the administration of uh, FSA, HRA, and HSA accounts. Uh, the company was really born out of frustration as a participant. I was a participant for 15 years. I was frustrated with the process, uh, the requirement to collect receipts at the end of the year, uh, fill out forms, uh, mail, fax, scan things in. And then the debit card was supposed to be the solution. Uh, but, you know, 20 to 30% of the time, my debit card would be challenged, and I'd have to provide that documentation anyway. Mm-hmm. So with a technology background, um, you know, we, we decided there had to be a way that we could apply technology to streamline this process. Uh, like I say, initially it was focused on participants, mm-hmm. um, but th- it turns out there are significant benefits for the TPAs as well. Mm-hmm. So tell us how it works. Sure. <clears throat> so it's, it's really pretty straightforward. So we are, we're a software company. We are a technology company. Uh, but we are, we're like Intel inside. We're fairly quiet. So we white label our software. And we've actually integrated that into two platforms, claim processing platforms, and we'll integrate it into a third. Uh, but basically the, the TPA adopts our software. It's, it's, it's very, very simple to integrate. 
And then they roll it out to their employer groups and their employees Mm -hmm. uh, who sign up for the service by giving us their username and their password for their insurance portal. And once we've got that, it it allows us to download their claim activity. And when we identify a qualified out-of-pocket expense, uh, we automatically submit that to the TPA uh, and and the participant gets reimbursed. So 100% of their eligible expenses are presented to the TPA. And to the extent they have funds available, uh, it's presented back to them uh, for reimbursement. Now, now, Lowell, does this work for FSAs, HSAs, and HRAs, or just FSAs? It works for FSAs, HRAs, and HSAs. Okay. Uh, as many people may know, HSAs don't have the same stringent requirements right. uh, to be reimbursed. Right. Um, however, you are liable to prove to the IRS that, that you have incurred a legitimate expense. And we actually save a PDF copy of your EOB form. <clears throat> so if you're ever audited, you've got a nice, clean Uh, set of documents that you can show to the IRS that they were all legitimate expenses. Hey, Lowell, this is Sanders. Uh, How is is FlexMinder unique or or different than your competitors in the marketplace? Sure. So, you know, part of it comes from our our team experience, uh, building, scaling, uh, high-volume, secure systems. And part of it is really on the onboarding site. Um, it, because this is a permission-based system, it's, mm-hmm. it's critical that, that participants sign up for it. And, and we see variance across the board. But we've had participation rates uh, as high as 94%. And part of that is, is the time and, and the skill that we've got that we give to the, the onboarding materials and our understanding of the process itself. Uh, the influencers, whether it's the brokers, whether it's HR, the participants themselves, uh, the different touch points and the materials required to to get people's interest and then to get them to feel comfortable with the system and then to sign up for it. And then there's a fair amount of uh, word of mouth as well once people sign up. Uh, also, the system is ultra secure. All data is encrypted both at rest and in transit. Um, and ultimately, we make the TPA the hero. Uh, we are white labeled. Uh, we're quiet in the background. And, and our goal is, is to help the TPA win new business and reduce their costs. So, so Lowell, the TPA is your primary uh direct customer, correct? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we're very focused on the TPA. Uh, we, you know, we participate. We're members of ECFC, EBIA, mm-hmm. NAPBA. Um, it's, it's where we live and breathe. Yes. It's what we do. Now, for distribution of these TPAs, do you, do you partner with others as well to, to get to that market? Well, we do. Uh, so I think, you know, in the public domain is, mm-hmm. is, so it's fair for me to talk about it, is, uh, you know, we are integrated into the Allegis platform, mm-hmm. and I believe they've got about 350 TPAs that that's been exposed to. Uh, we have a, a second partnership that hasn't been publicly disclosed, um, but uh, probably the next largest uh, claim platform uh, we're integrating with now. That'll be rolled out in January. And then we've got a third platform that we're working with as well. And that really makes it easier for the TPAs if they're using that platform to adopt our service. Um, the, so there, there, there's some extra functionality, uh, particularly on increasing the auto substantiation rate for uh, debit card transactions so uh, when it's pre-integrated into their claim platform. Yeah, I bet we could guess on one hand who those partnerships are, but we won't do that here on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in fact, you and I met at the Allegis uh, User Conference. That was the first time we, we did. met. Yeah. Yes, we did. Uh, they what, did a great job. Yeah. They do a nice job with that. Yeah. They did. What's your uh, business model, Lowell? Well, so our, our business model, uh, we, we currently contract um, 
even through, you know, with Allegis, uh, you know, we signed a BAA agreement with the TPA. So we work with the TPAs directly. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a PPPM, and it's primarily an eligible model. So it's, uh, it's a 15 cents uh, per participant per month on the eligible model. Um, so it's simple to set up, um, and it's easy to roll out, and, and we can work fairly quickly. So talk about uh, some recent uh, success stories that you, that you can uh, share with us on radio. Sure. So one of the things that's been, been kind of interesting is um, I had a meeting. I'll, I'll leave them anonymous. I didn't get their permission <laughs> to name them, but it was a rather large TPA. They, they've got about 120,000 participants. And it was interesting. I met with the, um, the manager of their operations group, and was surprised she was able to meet with us in the middle of the Q4 rush. And her comment was um, largely due to the adoption of FlexMinder. It's actually reduced their their Q4 rush. Uh, they haven't mm-hmm. they haven't haven't even had to go to overtime yet. So the fact that FlexMinder tees up opportunities for reimbursement consistently as it sees them throughout the year reduces the the end of year deadline rush, uh, which has been terrific. Um, in addition. Uh, we've we've actually got an ROI calculator we can share with people so they can they can look at, at their own business and, and plug in their own variables. Uh, but it looks like we actually, rather than being a cost, uh, the ROI we actually save companies about ten percent. So we can reduce overall operating expenses related to administering an FSA by about ten percent. And lastly, we, we uh, we've helped TPAs win new business. So we help them differentiate their service from their competitors and win new business. So both on the top line and the bottom line. Uh, we're trying to help TPAs. What are some of the biggest challenges your TPA partners are facing right now? Well, TPAs are, you know, they're, they, besides keeping up with, with changing regulations, um, it's a struggle to stay profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very competitive industry. Um, it's, in many cases, it's difficult for them to differentiate themselves from, from one another. And, and one, of the, one of our biggest fans we typically find at the TPA is the salesperson, which is not something I would have intuitively thought when we started the business. Uh, but it gives them and it gives their brokers something new and interesting uh, to go talk about with, with uh, their HR contract, with their yeah. employers. Yeah. What impact do you see on your business um, or not uh, from the – this very disruptive, exploding, potentially exploding private exchange market? Well, I, I think all of the changes, I think it's a good place to be right now. I think technology can, uh, uh, can, can help to resolve and, and add efficiencies to all aspects of, of the healthcare market. I mean, it's, it, it's a huge market. I think the inefficiencies, the, uh, uh, the differences in costs, you know, there's, you know, there's a shift in, in consumption to the uh, consumer, both in uh, you mentioned the exchanges and purchasing their policy, as well as the the consumer with higher deductible healthcare plans cares more about uh, how much a procedure costs because you know for the first thousand, two thousand, three thousand they'll have to foot the bill for that. So I think we're uniquely positioned. You know, initially, you know, like I say, the company was focused on um, what we call it workflow automation, automating a, a claim submission process, uh, but we're slowly turning into a, a data company mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, when, you've, when you're working with, with medical data and you can see the variance in prices, uh, there, there are ways that, that we can serve this data up to consumers to help them understand their, their health care plan, to help them understand their health care spending, help them understand the bill, understand the pricing. Uh, with better information, we believe consumers can make better decisions. And 
So I'm, I'm a fan of a lot of the change. I know it's really chaotic to a lot of the businesses, uh, but I think we can make we can reduce costs uh, across the board for for TPAs and employers, uh, and ultimately help consumers keep more and more of their hard-earned money. That's great, uh, Lowell. We've got about a minute to go. Do you have any other takeaways you'd like to leave our audience with? Uh, well, no. If any other questions, I know I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Appreciate uh, anyone who's listening for taking the time to listen. Uh, feel free to take a look at our website. We've got some interesting videos that explain what we do. It's www.flexminder.com. Uh, feel free to reach out. Um, Scott is our, our sales leader. Reach out to uh, Scott at flexminder.com. You can reach out to me personally if you'd like. Uh, it's Lowell L O W E L L at flexminder.com. And our phone number is 612-232-8014. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Thanks, Lowell. Really, I appreciate it. And uh, it's a week away, but if you can break away, uh, I'd love to see you join us at IHC Forum West, November 10th through 12th uh, in Las Vegas. We're going to have a good group of people out there, and i uh, love to see you out there. So if you can make it, uh, okay. look forward to Okay, let's talk you. about it. That's not far. We're in rainy Seattle, so that's yeah. not far away. Let's talk about it. I know you are. Listen, have a, have a great weekend. Uh, okay, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. And, Sanders, yep. uh, appreciate you joining us on the program today. Thank you for having us. It's, uh, it's uh, been fun having you. Uh, as I just said to uh, Lowell and to our audience, listening audience out there, it's still time to join us at IHC Forum West in Las Vegas, November 10th through 12th. You can go to our website, theiccforum.com. I hope everyone has a very safe and happy Halloween, and we'll see you next week on Healthcare Consumers Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.